e-commerce is going to be the new normal for both B2C and B2B. What we've seen is e-commerce leapfrogging five years. If you don't have an e-commerce presence within 12 to 18 months, your viability is going to be in question. Welcome to the e-commerce experience, the podcast that turns you into an e-commerce expert. Your host, Andrew Rodgenkamp, shares his wealth of B2B and B2C business experience to take you on an e-commerce adventure. Each month, you'll hear from industry experts and meet people just like you, looking to take their business to new heights online. Hey there, Andrew Rodgenkamp here, and we're back for our fourth episode of the e-commerce experience. What I'm going to do this time is we did a webinar with a company called Dialogue uh, earlier this week, and we were really just speaking of the state of e-commerce, where's it at? And we had an interview with a um, e-commerce retailer called uh, Saddlery Trading, who also owned Greg Grant, and just asked some questions of the managing director of that company and and what he's seen in COVID-19. Certainly, we've seen massive uplifts with the customers out there that we know of. And um, it's interesting to see where things are going and how things have evolved in the last uh, six weeks or so since I did the last podcast. So this was a webinar that was done with the aid of a PowerPoint presentation. But apart from one slide that I show uh, in the middle of it that talks about the uh, most popular products out there today or on year-on-year growth, uh, everything else you don't really need the PowerPoint for. I was really just talking to it. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this podcast and um, we'll speak to you later. Thanks very much, Bev, and yeah, thanks for the opportunity of allowing us to uh, have a chat to your customers and just pass on what we have seen in e-commerce over the last couple of very strange weeks. So what we want to do is start off by talking about the current state of e-commerce, uh, and I'm calling it mid-COVID-19. I, I'm actually hoping it's further than mid-COVID-19. I just got an email from the Regatta Hotel which I live very close to, and they're opening up Friday. So I'm very optimistic about us uh, being way past mid-COVID. What we have been observing in our customer base and beyond. And then we're going to have a chat to Roxton Innes, or as, as we know him affectionately, Rocky from Saddlery Trading, who's um, a Caloundra-based company up on the Sunshine Coast. But he gives a great perspective of both a B2B and a B2C perspective on not only the last two months, but uh, you know where everything's going in terms of e-commerce from, a, from customer land. So I guess to give an idea of the current landscape, uh, we have seen unbelievable growth year on year looking at what our customers were doing same time last year in March and April to this year. So the last weeks has been a very interesting nine weeks, uh, not only for our customers, but for us in terms of some of the demands that or requests that we're getting on on changing some of those um, environments in a, in a very quick way to get things done for our customers. I was on uh, Retail Global who do a lot of conferences and stuff like that. There was actually supposed to be a digital conference on the Gold Coast this week, but naturally it's been cancelled. So they're doing that all online today using Zoom and it's going quite well. I've been attending that most of the day. And one of the things that one of the guys from eBay has said is is there's been a massive acceleration towards local sellers. Uh, And this probably relates to B2C more than B2B, but uh, given that it's coming from eBay... And he actually said that's been happening for a while now. It's not just a COVID phenomenon. It's been happening for a while. But that's that's a that's a great thing for Australian uh, retailers is, is that things are moving towards local sellers. And I guess it's a great thing for Australian um, wholesalers as well because they're supplying those retailers. 
So there's lots of businesses have been affected by COVID. Uh, I, th I think probably if you haven't been affected by COVID, you're probably working for the government or something like that. It, you know, I think the figure would be even higher than 60% now. But what we're seeing is is that e-commerce is playing an key role in that contactless and cashless transactions are now preferred by buyers and sellers. I know my wife's Italian and she has been a cash person uh, since she was uh, since I met her and for the first time I've had to get her a debit card this week so she can uh, transact out in the marketplace. She said nobody's accepting her cash anymore. So I know things have changed when my wife gets a debit card. So some of our observations. So what we've seen is e-commerce leapfrogging five years. So our customers are at points where they had planned to be in several years' time. And, and really in e-commerce, nobody plans out that far, but one of our customers, and this isn't pertinent to just one of our customers, uh, you know, this is across most of our customers, but one of them who sells musical instruments have quadrupled their sales year on year in the month of March and April. And in fact, I was talking to this customer at the very start of COVID and uh, he said, look, I, you know, this was, you know, back in the days when ScoMo, we were getting, you know, early updates from ScoMo. And he said, look, you know, with the stores closing down, they do half their revenue online, half of it in store. With the stores closing down, I'm thinking we're going to have to lay some people off and uh, stand some people down. I spoke to him a week later and he said, I'm looking to hire 13 people. I can't keep up with the sales. So it was that quick, the turnaround. And it turned out that their online sales for March was higher than both their online and in-store sales for the previous March. Uh, and there's no other factors, uh, you know, they haven't had any acquisitions or anything like that. So it's a true comparison. There's been lots of technology that we've seen deployed uh, around AI, extra service features so that customers are being able to serve themselves uh, more than they have been able to before. And new methods, this is especially around B2B, new methods of dealing with customers with reps off the road. So there's lots of businesses out there that we know that would say, oh, my customers won't order online because my reps service them. They'll only order off the reps. Well, in the last nine weeks, that just hasn't been possible. And those customers have either been ordering through the reps using video conferencing, which is really interesting, uh, or they've been uh, using the website, using their B2B website that's already available to them. But for some reason, they've just been resisting. So we're seeing a big move to ordering online uh, and getting more information online rather than speaking to reps. Don't think this is going to be the death of the rep, but uh, it's certainly interesting to see how that's going. Now, one of the interesting things also is that, and it's a good barometer, is that Amazon are hiring 100,000 new people. That's how many people they want to put on to cope with the new normal uh, of e-commerce. So there's two things to read from that. Obviously, that e-commerce is going to be the new normal for both B2C and B2B. Now, B2C, you know, it's, it's, it's not as if it's a new thing there or hasn't been for B2B for a while, but it's really that saturation point that it's coming up to that digital transformation. The other thing to think about when Amazon thinks that they're going to hire 100,000 new people, the challenge there for the rest of us is, is that competition for good skills in e-commerce. So, you know, young people, they all they all want to have a company like Amazon or PwC or Ernst & Young or, or something like that on their resume. So, for the rest of us who aren't an Amazon or a PwC or something like that, 
keeping people and hiring new people might become a challenge in the next six to 12 months with Amazon having that attitude out in the marketplace. So, um, yeah, make sure if you've got good e-commerce people, hang on to them, pay them well, and keep them, keep them in exciting and innovative projects. On the flip side, COVID-19 has actually caused all this extra sales, has actually caused a lot of supply chain disruption for our customers. And if you think about it, if somebody walked into your business tomorrow and said, um, hey, look, I want to do business with you and I'm going to buy off you three times as much as what the total amount of your current customers are buying off you, you'd go, wow, that's great, but boy, have we got some problems to deal with now. And that was really, you know, back to what I was talking about as that musical instruments customer is that they face some real challenges about how to how to supply these customers that are all new customers. I think they had 4,000 new customers in three weeks, which was a interesting stat. So one of the things that we've seen some of our more uh, advanced customers doing is using CX. CX stands for customer experience to ensure their loyal customers are taken care of. Because what you've got to be careful of is that COVID-19 customer. So whilst it's great to get new customers and those new customers, you're probably going to get a lot cheaper than you would get by doing paid advertising. In fact, that customer I spoke of again, he actually said to me, gee, I wish they, they spend a lot of money every month on paid search on Google and it turns out like it cost them about $120 based on what they paid on paid search and how many new customers they get per year. It cost them about $100 to get every new customer, right? So they're getting a whole lot of free customers now and in fact, he actually bought his paid spend down to next to nothing because he was concerned about the amount of sales he was getting. He didn't want to overdo it and have no way of supplying all of these sales. And he, he actually said to me, I don't know if it was in jest or he was, he was being serious, I wish I could go into negative paid search so I could do something to have people not find my site for a little while so I can catch up. They literally had thousands of orders to catch up on. So the message there is is being careful about treating all of your customers the same way during COVID-19 because you're going to get a lot of customers that may never come back. The last podcast I did with is, was with a guy called Danny Phillips and he's a customer experience strategist and he explained to me about how taking care of your really important customers is so much more important than just having a blanket policy for everybody. So what we're finding some of our customers are doing is using different order priorities with their ERP to be able to say, well, when when an order comes in from this level of customer, somebody that's been dealing with me for years, I'm actually going to give it a higher priority than I would uh, a customer that's just signed up with me today. Having said that, you want to make sure that you're going to wow that new COVID-19 customer because they're a free kick for you and what a great way to keep them on board post-COVID-19 in the new normal. You've scored yourself a whole lot of new customers. So the other thing I'd say is be careful not to divest at this time, especially in e-commerce, but to invest in e-commerce. Uh, Our Director of Sales and Marketing, David Bickerstaff, has a saying is, is you don't renovate the hotel in summer. And what that means is, is that now's a great time. Your your website, if you haven't got a website, now's a great time to actually look at getting a website because there's a lot of other things that your people may not be doing if if they're on the JobKeeper. What a great way to use those resources to do things 
to either create a new website, e-commerce website, or if you do have a website, is to look at ways that you can make that website better. And that might be about content, it might be about functionality, because you can be guaranteed that your competitors that do have that capital to be able to do that are out there investing in their website now. I can tell you they are because they're spending money with us doing it. So you don't want to come out the back of this with a website or no website and find out that uh, your competition's way ahead of you. We've been saying for a little while now we do presentations you know, around the traps. We've done a couple of Microsoft ones down in Melbourne. And the research is, is that if you don't have, especially in B2B, if you don't have a B2B e-commerce website within the next five years, it is likely you will not survive. There's a book out by Brian Beck at the moment called The Billion Dollar E-Commerce, uh, B2B E-Commerce. And it has all these examples of B2C sites that many years ago in the States said, I don't believe online buying is going to take off. And they were slow to the mark. And those, those um, I think Macy's is one of them and um, things like that. Those, those businesses are virtually out of business now. So now's a great time to invest in e-commerce to make sure that you're ahead of the game. So what I was saying before about that five years, I believe that's now accelerated to 12 to 18 months. If you don't have an e-commerce presence within 12 to 18 months, your viability is going to be in question. I just got this slide off the uh, off a site in the US, and it's just a bit of an interesting graphic about what are the year-on-year -year uplift based on the last uh, six weeks of products that are being bought more than they were last year. So most of them are pretty obvious. The dishwasher was a bit of a surprise to me, but I guess when you think it through, people are working from home, got a lot more plates to clean. That used to happen at the office. I know we've got two dishwashers at our office for 40 people, so I can imagine the amount of plates that that's being uh, distributed throughout households now, needs a new dishwasher, a washing machine, same sort of stuff. Uh, I know I just got a, a little word from my wife who was just doing the ironing, telling me that I'm wearing far more clothes than I was um, when I go to work. So I'm being encouraged to go back to work. Then all the sporting goods. So we've got a couple of customers in that sporting goods arena. Uh, Heart Sports, one of them. They are literally, they ran out of weights weeks ago. Heart rate monitors, basketball shoes. All of our customers that, we've got a couple of customers in the bike wholesale arena. Anything to do with cycling is just going crazy. So it's really interesting to see where all those products are, are going. A couple of more observations. We've got a lot of customers in the PPE. Now, PPE is a term that pretty much everybody knows now, personal protection and equipment, gloves, uh, hand sanitizer, all of that sort of stuff. I think eight weeks ago, if you said to somebody at a barbecue, we've got some customers in PPE, they'd have no idea what you're talking about. These days, it's just a, a word that everybody knows. So those customers have seen massive growth, of course, and a lot of that moving to online, but they all also are having massive supply chain issues trying to get those products in because a lot of them come from China and China is basically just selling to the highest bidder, which are generally our customers are now competing against countries to not just not just suppliers or distributors in the rest of the world, but they're actually keep competing against governments to get those products. So a massive growth in the move of directed sales, that is reps selling to online sales. We've seen a lot of our customers stand down their rep force. They're starting to come back online now, but those customers have now learnt to go online and, and, and do those sales, which, which is great because ultimately it's going to allow those reps to do more 
value-added business when they're talking to customers rather than taking orders. Reps taking orders is just it's just madness. They, they should be talking to customers about products, about the value chain, about how they can help their customers more rather than keying in orders. We're also seeing a lot of D2C, what's called direct-to-consumer. So generally, that's when a B2B customer is going direct to the consumer. And, and that's what uh, Rocky, who we'll be talking to lately, that's one of his models. Um, and you do need to be reasonably careful about doing that because you run the risk of upsetting your actual customers, which are your retailers. But you've got to be also careful that that retail environment, and I think Rocky will speak to this a little bit, is it's not going to die and you'll die with it as a wholesaler. So direct-to-consumer is a very popular way to do things. We've had a couple of customers in the food service business who are obviously supplying some of their products to – they have different channels. So the products they're supplying to hospitals and all of that going great. Products they're supplying to pubs, clubs, and restaurants – not so good. So when you're in the food business, you have a bit of a problem because uh, unless your food's, even if your food's frozen and refrigerated, that food's got expiry dates on it. So it's not a matter of just saying, well, I'll sell that. I'll just stop buying it and I'll sell it later. It's a matter of that food's going to be worthless in a period of time. So some of our customers have done a direct-to-consumer model on that. There's been a few challenges around that with pack sizes. For instance, when a uh, restaurant buys muffins, they'll buy 12 of them bit hard to sell 12 muffins to a consumer, but they've done reasonably well out of those models as well. We're also seeing quite a bit of uh, B2B2C. So where our customers, the example I'll give is uh, we've got a customer that sells into the bicycle industry. So their customers are bicycle stores. They're selling anything from push bikes to uh, helmets, jerseys, all that sort of stuff. Their stores, their customer stores are all shut down. A lot of those customers don't have websites or the ability to do that um, sort of e-commerce. So what they've done is set up the ability for their customers, the retailer, to get onto their website, order a product, and then have that nominated to be delivered directly to their customer. So basically going from the wholesaler straight to the consumer. And, and that's taken off and been well appreciated by their retail customers to support them in their, um, in their tough times. There's been a massive drive to self-service as well. So I don't know if anybody's dealt with Telstra in the last six to eight weeks, but they have done the negative thing that I spoke of before. They've said, right, we're only going to take phone calls and if the world is ending for you. Uh, and in fact, it's virtually impossible to get to that point. And everything else has to be done through the mobile phone app. And you basically put in your inquiry. A little robot tries to answer you. It's got no idea what it's doing. And then you end up having finally convincing it that I want to talk to a person, albeit on the, the uh, chat app. And then they take four hours to get back to you. And then you respond, they take another four hours to get back to you. So they, Telstra have done the opposite and they, they're going to lose customers left, right and centre for it. They should have facilities online that you can do that self-service to be able to do all that sort of stuff. So for B2B and B2C customers, invoice reprinting returns, statements, order tracking, all of that sort of stuff is really important to have. E-commerce is not just about selling online, it's about all those self-service features as well and that drive towards contactless buying. So, you know, it's interesting that contactless buying thought is whether that's going to continue to happen. I think people's memories will start to fade after the end of COVID. 
But, you know, in terms of that contact list, I sort of equate it, and I've said this a few times about the Brisbane floods. You know, at the moment we're saying, you know, we'll never do this again, you'll never do that again. But we said when the Brisbane floods happen, nobody's ever going to buy property on the river again because it could flood again and things like that. Well, guess what? People buy properties on the river and they're paying $5 million for it. So I think people's behaviours will slowly change, but there has been a new benchmark set in what we're, what we're seeing. This raises some questions about the new normal. And the questions are, you know, what levels will these numbers stay at as stores across the world begin to reopen and we enter that new normal? So we're seeing retail stores reopen throughout shopping centres, certainly in Queensland. and I believe Victoria is just a little bit behind on that, but certainly in Queensland and New South Wales, I think they're reopening. And it'll be interesting to see how the change uh, from the online presence to the in-store presence changes or whether it's it's that, you know, multi-channel, omni-channel sort of environment where where they're supporting each other. Those, those multiple channels are supporting each other. And so will existing e-commerce customers increase their online shopping more than they had previously? I think they will. I think people have realized that online shopping, especially some of that older generation who have been forced into it over the last six weeks, six to nine weeks, will realize that it's not as bad as they thought it was. It's very secure. The deliveries happen pretty quickly. You're well informed of things and, and they'll stay there. And then about whether new online shoppers buyer would prefer the comfort of buying from their own homes and offices and therefore spend less in store and with reps. And so one of the things we see in B2B, and we've been seeing this for a while, is that that drive of the percentage of buyers, uh, and we call them buyers in B2B, they're not shoppers, they're buyers, they're there to buy stuff, they're not browsing, they know what they want, they're there and we call these people the digital natives. So the digital natives are, you know, people that are now joining the workforce, they're aged between 20 and, you know, 30, and they've been buying online forever. That's how they know buying. And it's, we sort of sometimes say, you know, imagine you've got a 22-year-old, they've just started with your business, and it's their responsibility to buy the stationery, and you give them a 250-page glossy catalogue, and you say to them, hey, Ben, this is how we buy stationery. Just walk around to everybody in the office, ask them what they want, uh, write it down, and then you can fax it off to the office supply company or you can email it um, or give the rep a call. Uh, a, a digital native would look at you as if you were mad if you did something like that. So those people are on board. It's the people in the later generations that aren't necessarily on board, but we believe this COVID-19 brought about a new dynamic that they will be on board and that e-commerce is going to be the new norm. So going forward, I'll just break it up into B2B and B2C. Obviously, a massive shift to digital, both not just for selling online, but servicing online. So those things like invoice reprints, order tracking, and all of those sort of things, if you don't have those sort of things in your website now, they're the things you should be looking at getting because they're the things that are not only going to help your customers serve themselves online, it's going to reduce your cost to serve. And that's one of the most important things you can do going forward. And of course, then there's the remote selling. If you think about a rep, so we got customers that service the hospitality industry, restaurants, clubs, pubs. And they have reps that basically just drive around all day visiting their customers. And typically, it's going into a restaurant, talking to the chef or talking to the manager and things like that. I bet if you add it up during the day, how many minutes or hours that are spent in the car, in traffic, 
getting to a customer's site, waiting for them to be ready and doing all of that because you can't, you know, most chefs probably don't want to be disturbed between certain times. So you can't visit every chef at the same time during the day. That's a massive amount of time. And if you think about those reps now, what they could do is they can just use Zoom to do that that interaction with the customer, sit in the office, have all the facilities of what they need around them, even bring in other people if they've got specialists uh, within certain parts of their business that can talk about, you know, so a lot of our customers that are selling to chefs and uh, restaurants, they actually have their own in-house chef that can advise on certain types of things and stuff like that. So bringing all that expertise in, I think remote selling for reps is it's going to revolutionize the way they do things. In B2C, we're going to see more innovation to support online selling and I guess bring out why people would rather go into a store than go uh, and buy online. And one of those customer experience innovations to break the barriers down online, a really interesting one that uh, Danny Phillips told me about in this podcast was one of the reasons, especially around clothing, uh, fashion, one of the reasons people go into store to buy things is they're not quite sure what size fits them or even how the product looks when they've got it. So what our what some fashion retailers are doing online is allowing their customers when they go to buy products, I want to buy a, a Nike shirt and I want a size medium. It'll encourage me to actually get the large and the size above that and the size below it. And they've even got mechanisms where they can ship that to customers, but not charge them for the other ones unless they don't return it. So they can take a token over their credit card and they give them a free satchel to return the sizes that don't fit. And then they can send them back or they could send them all back if they don't like them. So give that customer that experience of, well, I'm just going to buy that product. I'll have it delivered to me and then I'll return it if I don't want it. And it's not as if the merchant doesn't want you to do that. They're encouraging you to do that. Whereas previously, those returns were seen as negatives. So some really interesting things uh, happening that there. And we say time is of the essence. You know, this, these things are accelerating. Everything that I've heard today on the retail online, uh, retail global stuff is that everything has accelerated in terms of getting these things to market. If you're not getting these things to market today, I can guarantee your competitor is getting these things to market. Okay, so what we're going to do now is bring in Rocky. Okay, so just to give an intro to Rocky, uh, Rocky is the managing director of a company called Saddlery Trading, and they are Australia's largest supplier of horse riding equipment. They supply everything from saddles to things called bits, which I, after dealing with Rocky for 10 years, I've still got no idea what a bit is, but I often see it on his website. And he's, he's not only a wholesaler to a whole lot of saddlery retailers, uh, out there in Australia and in both cities and obviously out in the country. Uh, he's also a retailer. So he's also got a company, uh, a retail store called Greg Grant Saddlery, who's been around. How long has that been around, Rocky? 20 years, 30? Uh, since about 1975. Yeah, so a long time started by uh, Rocky's father-in-law, Greg Grant. And um, so he sees things from both the retailer perspective the B2C perspective, the B2B perspective. So it's a really interesting chat. So Rocky, thanks for taking the time to join us. Look, we chat on a regular basis and about how e-commerce is changing and the nature of business. Before COVID came along, what what have you been seeing in your industry that's been changing quite a bit? In the, um, in the online B2C space, a lot of growth over the last couple of years. Um, and as you said before, like, and we had the same policy, like we thought, oh, well, in five years' time, it's going to be this. 
well, it's 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 that that five year level now. Yeah, it's really accelerated, um, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, but we 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 were seeing um, steady growth uh, year on year for the last. Uh, I think the websites we really started to ramp up with you know, maybe 2011, 2012. Yep. And then we've seen a, a steady growth since then. Mm, that's good, yeah. yeah. So I know your one of your strategies is to move as much business online as you can. You've seen yes. you, you travel to the States often. You've seen some really good examples over there of some great online businesses yes. in your industry. Yes. Well, a really good, uh, really good friend of ours, he's like my second dad, he um, he's been at me for the last five or so years. Rocky, you got to get everything online, mate. Forget about wholesale. Just go go full on and just do um, B two C. And it it scares me because you know if you if you if you lose your B two B customers because that's the biggest part of a business where you lost your business. And he said, no, don't worry about that, mate. Just just go for it. <laughs> yeah. And um, but so it's a really it's a really hard it's a really hard juggling act. So you've got you've got to make sure you look after your B two B customers. Yep. We um, we always make sure that what we sell online B two C is the same price as we offer. Yep. So um, you're not competing with your B2B, customers. Not competing against them. Yep. And um, I mean, the beauty about our business is ninety percent of the brands we own, and right, we've, okay. we've yep. built them up over the last 40, 40 plus years. So it's not as though they can go and buy those brands anywhere else anyway. Right. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, 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 great stuff. So yeah, but, yeah. we've been to, we we watch your numbers with you, and we talk on an often basis. They were doing pretty well before COVID. What happened early March? <laughs> Three. I've just got it written down here. Three hundred and fifty percent increase in um, in sales in March. Yep. Same in April and uh, May. May was um, it dropped down a little bit in May, but it's still one hundred and fifty percent. Oh, the year on year. same time. Yeah, incredible. Well, just be, you know. In, oh, just to compared to January. Okay, well, that's significant. Compared then. to January, yeah. not not last year. Yep. Compared yep. to January, wow. so if you compare it to last year, I haven't got those figures, but compared to last year, it's probably two hundred percent. Yeah, incredible. Like that, so. so is that has that caused you any? You know, like I was talking about before, those supply chain issues, picking stuff like that, or because your wholesale is probably down a bit, you, you just sw- going from Peter to Paul type thing. Yeah, well, it's funny you say that because um, everyone always tells us, "Oh, you got you're carrying too much stock. Your tox, your stock turns too too low. You should you should be increasing your stock turn." And now I can laugh and laugh in the faces of those people because we don't have any stock issues because yep. um, we carry a lot of stock. Yeah, and um, and we we didn't really have any. We the only country we had problems with was India. Right. Okay. Uh, because we import a lot of stuff from India as well. And um, in the whole scheme of things, you know, it's a very, very small percentage. And and I think you're right about that stock. Yeah, that stock thing is really important because I know when I've been shopping on the line in the last couple of weeks is price has actually been less important. I'm just trying to find somebody that's got it in stock because if somebody that doesn't have it in stock, my inference there is, well, they're probably not going to get it for weeks. No. Yeah. And right. um, I was actually speaking to another customer of ours. He's very much of the same mindset as you. He's got a uh, – he supplies parts to John Deere tractors and stuff like that all out and, you know, to um, people, uh, repairers out in the, the country. And, of course, mm. you know, they've been through the drought and he, he actually did refurbish the hotel in winter. So while the drought was on, he put a whole lot of money into making the website the best in the industry. And he's one of those guys that stocks everything. And I spoke to him the other day and he said, he said, 
the website is just going unbelievably. And he said, if, if we didn't put all that investment and that time into it, getting it all right when the drought was on, we'd be gone now. And he said, there's competitors of ours that have closed down because they don't have what we've got. So it was, and he's big on keeping stock as well. He keeps stock of everything yeah. he sells online in these warehouses. So yeah, that's good. Yeah. So where do you reckon you'd be if you didn't have a website, COVID-19? Um, we'd be okay, but um, yeah, no, nothing like we are at the moment. Yeah, that's good. You still got a bit yeah, of a smile on yeah. your face, mate. There, I see. So that's good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> still pay the school yeah. fees. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's great stuff. Sure. So, what's what's the future? You know, you I know you've um, recently appointed a full time digital e commerce manager of some great experience uh, from a you know very large company she came with, and she's kicking some great goals. Just continuing oh, on that growth growth period. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been great. I just had a meeting with them uh, with them this morning. And because um, th- those guys have been working from home, so I got them all in, and they're they're back they're back in the office next week. But just to catch up and see where they're at, and and uh, in that in that meeting, there was eight eight people now who look after B two C. Yeah, it's incredible. So it's growing. Yeah, how, how it's yeah. grown. I mean, yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, um, it was just part time for somebody. Only two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, part time. Yeah, 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 that's right. It was, and, just- I, and I know. You know very well, like with me, I'm I'm ringing you and annoying you all the time <laughs> about Andrew. What can we do to, to yep. make things better? And you're, you've always got a, um, as you said before about that guy selling spare parts for John Deere's and whatever. You've you've got to um, keep up with it and uh, fix the fix the hotel up in winter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, thanks, Rocky. I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat no to worries. us and give us a customer experience. I guess this is one last quote from uh, Wyneth Malva. COVID-19 has created a sense of urgency in a fully embracing digital transformation. Not just talking about it, but acting on it. So it's really interesting to see how that has changed the times in the last uh, nine weeks. I think we're in a really exciting time uh, around e-commerce. There's going to be a lot of innovation that's happening over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, So yeah, really look forward to it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Uh, it certainly gave some insight into where e-commerce is at at the moment and how different customers are seeing some massive increase, how they're coping with it and um, yeah, where we see things going from here. So yes, I'll see you next time on uh, the e-commerce experience. Thanks for listening. Again, my name's Andrew Rogenkamp. You can find me on LinkedIn at uh, Andrew Rogenkamp. Just search for Andrew Rogenkamp, R-O-G-E-N-C-A-M-P. Again, I'm the only one Andrew Rogenkamp in the world. So thanks for listening and I'll speak to you next time. Thanks for joining us today on the e-commerce experience. If you found today's episode valuable, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on our upcoming shows.